Yeah, I got a, uh, uh, a surgical procedure, like a minor, you know, uh, surgical procedure last week on on my nose. Mm, um, been there. And part of the recovery symptoms are, um, uh, you know, sinus inflammation and congestion. Yep. And uh, it's been getting better. Then I went for a follow up visit yesterday, and now it's like it's like it totally reset. It, it feels like. Uh, I don't know, like someone is stepping on my sinuses. That's like the pressure in my head right now. So, oh, do, do you do you want to like get into sinus procedures? Because I've had my fair share. <laughs> do you have some illuminating thoughts on the topic? I might. What what it, was this a, a turbinate procedure or like a uh, a septum <laughs> procedure? Got the turbinates filed down, got the septum yeah. moved around, and then got uh, what they call a balloon sinoplasty to open up the sinuses a little bit. Okay. And that all took 20 minutes. Yeah, they are really good at it. I will tell you, uh, my experience with that was several weeks of pretty intense misery immediate post-op. Now, this, I think yeah, my... Yeah, I feel like, uh, like I might as well pay them $2,000 to punch me in the face. Yes. You know what I mean? Um it, and, and I would not be surprised if that lasts another week or two, but I will say, and and even after a, a sort of, I mean, listen, that's a minor surgical procedure, but it's a major nasal procedure, if you if you know what I mean, that you just had, and I had a couple more little turbinate pushes and reductions uh, in the year or two following that one. Yeah, they say I'm gonna do it again, right? Go yeah, but yeah. I will say this. Um, when I don't have a cold from my snotty, snotty children, I breathe better today than I did for, like, 20 years between the ages of, you know, 18 and 38. Yeah, God, I, I really hope I get there uh, at some point. But this right now, this this sucks pretty hard. It's not a good time. Oh. Um, but it will, it will end you, and hopefully leave you in a better place. Were you allowed to use tissues? Like, I'm not really supposed to blow my nose. They tell you not to. Um, I wasn't great at that. I tried to be gentle. Uh, I, I, I kind of have a thing about blocked nasal passages. Like it's one of my peccadillos. Um, yeah, sometimes you just gotta breathe, man. You know what I yeah. mean? You sit out a little bit. So, so I didn't. I like, especially after I got a week or so out from the procedure, I didn't necessarily strictly follow those rules, but I did my best to like not blast it out of place. <laughs> if you. Can. That's my meaning. Anyone who is not, you know, a sinus surgery veteran probably has turned the podcast off at this point. <laughs> they did say I'm healing well, so we'll Good. see about that. But yeah, and I need and, to get through the podcast as fast as I can because I don't even know if I'm going to be able to talk or or think correctly uh, today. That sounds good. I d I do remember a follow up visit where I kind of like gently asked, 
if I was past the point where like the wrong blowing of the nose would move everything out of place. And they were like, yeah, that's not a thing. (laughs) So I think they're probably just trying to avoid like massive bleeds when they tell you not to blow your nose. And I really haven't had uh, too much bleeding. So that's good. um, That's good. I'll take it. Although I have to carry around a a, a thing of Afrin literally everywhere with me just in case. And you got to be careful not to get addicted to that stuff because that's that's actually super dangerous. Oh, really? Yes. I haven't had to, I haven't had to actually open it yet. So, so uh, good. Yeah, I I strongly advise uh, only using Afrin in an absolute emergency. Okay. It will teach your nose to like not have to be open unless it has Afrin. If you, I mean, that takes a minute to happen, but it can't, it does happen. <laughs> okay. I will, uh, note it, man. Uh, this is, Hey, listen for, if there is a portion of our listenership that has any questions about nasal surgery, I feel like we've just provided a lot of good information. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I wish we'd have saved it for our other pod uh, this week in nasal procedures, but yeah, uh, but here it is in the toy department. It's um, called, <laughs> it's called twins. <laughs> We call it twins for short. This week in nasals. Um, anyway, that was good. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Where would you like Possibly. to start this week? Because we I, got a lot of options. We got to do the challenge first, right? We got to blast through all this challenge action. I can barely remember back. Oh, that's right. Because there's two weeks of challenge. Because three. You know why? Three weeks. Yeah. Happen this. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to say out on this season because obviously I'm still interested in watching and I care who wins, but I'm I'm safely confident to say that this is after Rider dies, which I thought was truly excellent. This is this has been a quite a bit of a letdown this season, huge letdown. And I will say this I, I think your the fact that that was the first thing you said is definitely driven by this past week's episode, which I think was undoubtedly the worst um like first of all for some reason and i guess the reason is slim pickens but this was like a raven episode we got a raven episode and from the very beginning where she is the superstar of the worst team which for some reason allowed her to get every single trivia question wrong when any of them could have spoken up and said, no, we're not doing what Raven says. Let me just, can I just jump in with the burn of the week? You may have had the same one. Um, this is regarding Raven. I believe it was from Maurice. Well, it, yeah, I have, I have background, but go on. Her nickname is Dory in the house because she's not the brightest bulb in the box. <laughs> yeah, she said crayon, which which was like, well, maybe you're not the sharpest knife either. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm also like, uh, Raven's going to Columbia this fall. So well, <laughs> we gave her the Columbia of the doubt for like six weeks, and that's over. Because I... This was an embarrassing trivia performance on her part, for sure. Shocking. And they just kept for letting her six. pick the yeah. answers. It's a multiple choice of two pick the other one if you're gonna let her talk at all seriously uh, they kept just stands at her yes <laughs> just fade her fade raven and you would have been great anyway the, the that was not the first time i heard that nickname because melissa brought it up on the podcast but when melissa said it she said it as if and and i guess because at that point we had not yet seen this episode she said it kind of not sure if it was cool to say it you know what i mean she yeah. was like, she was talking about throwing the drink 
in Raven's face and was like, you know what? I basically she was like, I I do regret throwing the drink because like I want to handle myself better, but it's just so frustrating talking to Raven. That's why we call. No, you know what? Never mind. And they oh, were wow. like, Oh no! Oh yeah. no! No no! Go that far. You gotta you gotta come in on that. Exactly. You? And she was like, All right. Well, I'm not sure if I should say this, but like her nickname is Dory. And I thought it was just Melissa, you know, talking shit. But Narice now tells us that's just her nickname in the house. And mm. when and and frankly. Since Melissa said it, I've been listening more closely to, like, the words she actually says. I'm sorry. Like, she can't put a sentence together that makes no, any she's, sense. She's quite bad at trash to talk to. It's just and at not... one point she said, and I wrote this down because I was like, did she just... She said, I can't... It, it was the beginning of the elimination deliberation. when she This week, when she was already in. And she goes, I can't believe I'm sitting here. Honestly, I expected this. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. I, like, yeah, I just, she seems like a sweet person. And, like, I'm sure I she's uh, decent in, in, in life. And I, I, I'm not trying to assault her character. She's just not good television. No, she's terrible. And this whole episode was about her being terrible. And then Berna continuing, I've never seen somebody so consistently faced with like simple choices and so consistently choose whichever choice makes her the worst hang ever. <laughs> you talking about Berna or, or Raven? Is that going to apply to either one? I well, think. Raven, Raven's a bad hang, but in like a, a less obvious way. Berna yeah. is like, I could sit here and mind my own business or cock block everybody in the house. I think I'll cock block everybody. <laughs> she does make some just just bizarre choices. And I think it stems from, like, really not giving a fuck. Or insecurity. I can't tell. But, like, the whole thing with Michelle. I could just let my friendship with Michelle ride and hope it pays me some dividends. Or I could make a scene at the bar for no reason about God knows what and definitely put myself in a worse situation. I think um, I'll do the second a, one. Make a scene for God knows what is always an attractive option for Bruno for sure. It's, but I don't, I don't want to jump off Melissa for a second or Michelle rather for a second because I feel like it needs to be asked. Like, is, is anyone going to get upset that Michelle is coasting her way through this game? Well, and that's the other thing from this episode that it's like a huge thing in my notes. Michelle... The real Michelle is the one who is literally peeing herself at the thought of Laurel pulling the chaos. Yeah, God, and that was that was the producers trying so hard to make this episode interesting. They're like, "Well, we get you." Like, I knew, well, I and, knew they weren't that that Laurel was not picking that chaos hammer. I knew it. I'm like, they got to drum something up. You know what I yes, mean? But okay, this is where I want to say, like, I I feel like. I'm about to say something that that people say about like the CIA, you know, like how come we don't assassinate people anymore? Um, I like I feel like it says we a, don't assassinate people anymore. Well, I, <laughs> I'm sure Sorry. we do, but I think you 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 see my point. Like, how come we're not uh, more obviously engaged in violent <laughs> espionage? People say things like that. What I'm saying is like I feel like. Old school challenge producers put three chaos hammers in that sand and make it a hall brawl. Agreed. And Agreed. the fact that they did neither 
is like to me that's you know what? that's it's a that, failure. That, now I'm mad that it didn't happen. <laughs> it should have just been three chaos hammers in there. A one hundred percent. And even if you don't put three chaos hammers in there, why is this the challenge? And why last week? Why is Darrell standing on a platform wagging his ass to try to get a fire lit? Like, if you're going to sell me the greatest champions of all time coming back, give them something that they're good at. And if someone beats them... And they stop doing that. Have you noticed that? And I wonder, yes, and I wonder if that is because they... they're, they were like, oh, shit, we're going to embarrass our entire future. No, but that's the wrong path. Because, like, Agreed. Because, because when the suffering's have, part of so it. The last two, yeah, we're just treading water in this game. Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, um, Like, they, you know, they need to, like, if I were them right now, I'd be like, ah, it's chaos. Anything can happen. Guess what? Here comes six champions to come in and kick everyone's ass today. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> hey, it's chaos. Guess what? This time... <laughs> If the champion wins, they're back in the house. Yep. Here, beat CT and bananas. Good luck. You know right. what I mean? Let's do right. that. Or, or at I mean, least I'm gonna save me bananas till the end because they want to milk this Mariah thing for all the all they can. There's no way he's coming. Also, if here's the thing, man. Like, I don't want to see Laurel count sticks <laughs> and get mad. <laughs> like. And and somebody, it might even have been Michelle, I can't remember now, but somebody was like, yeah, this is why Laurel hasn't won more championships, basically, right? Like, no one's doubting who Laurel was as a challenge competitor. She's arguably the greatest female competitor in the history of the game. However, she's a one-time champion because, yes, she did get in her own way, and she was overly cranky and sometimes overly confident. And, uh, you know... She seems to be in a better place emotionally, but still fell victim to some of her old, uh, you know, weaknesses. And I just don't like, why would you bring her back to confront her weaknesses? If you're going to bring her back, make somebody confront her strengths. That, to me, is the critical error here. Like, I'm kind of joking about the three chaos hammers, although I still think I would have done it. But, yeah, that's what she should have done. And and Raven, in the best sentence she put together all show, spotted it right away. She's like, yeah, I think this game can be an equalizer. Why? Why? Exactly. She's like, the equalizer should be... an equalizer. Right. And it, it runs counter to the whole concept of if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. Exactly. Exactly. Otherwise, it's just, it's just talk, man. It's just talk. What did you think of uh, Zara's move to throw herself in, by the way? You know, it's funny because the first thing I thought was, um, I wonder if she would have done this if she knew that Berna was cock-blocking her way into elimination. Um, But then I saw all the other people react like, yeah, okay, we knew you were going in, so... Like, congrats. So I still I, think it's honorable, though. Yeah. It's, especially given all the, like, pointless it's, whining so many other people have done about going in. And it's not I just pointing a shot at Michelle on the way in. Yes. It's not just pointless whining. It's the. It's exactly what Raven did when she got put in, which was, like, just start lashing out at everybody in the room. Yeah. 
<laughs> just start. Oh, well, that person's an asshole. And, you know, why didn't you vote for them? And did it. And it's like, <laughs> just. Just, yeah. There's not that many people, man. There's only so many girls. Just fucking go in and hope you don't exactly. have, to, have to compete. It's like, exactly. If you're angry, hold that and use it. We don't need you to, like, flail out like a child, you know? And it's different if there's, like, some, you know, huge violation of a of a agreed-upon alliance. But this was just three people voting against her and one of them who tried to save her that was supposed to. Like, it's very, it was a very normal selection of Raven, and she flipped out like a toddler. I... It, uh, I, and then everyone talking about how she's a bat, it really felt like this episode was orchestrated to try to put Raven over, and it just did not work for me at all. Nope. Nope. I know that's I, – I, it's the one thing I'm like, God, I feel bad because, she, you know, this was her, her biggest win, I'm sure, a moment that she was, like, proud of, and we're just crapping all over it. But right. TV was not – it was not a fun hour. You know, as this as as this show goes, and this show should be fun. That's the the, the whole point of this thing. And I do I, think part of the problem here is the lack of experience overall has led to just some really bizarre gameplay where it's like the the like I don't think that means what you think it means meme. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't think you're doing the thing that you think you're doing. It, even you know, again, to use this last sort of crappy episode as an example. The fact that Raven and um, Zara have this conversation about, oh, yeah, and, you know, if we come back, we're going to flip the switch and turn the house upside down. It's like, are, are you? With the, the two no, of you? How many people have said that it's done nothing? Well, that's the thing. That has been the whole season is people plotting what they think are are moves of some kind and then either – failing to execute anything or executing something entirely different. And, you know, evidenced perhaps, you know, never more than by the fact that almost every single elimination deliberation has featured someone saying something to the effect of, well, yeah, so-and-so is in my alliance, but... And then voting for them. I'd like to see these people make a chart of the alliances. Right. Yeah, this, that, I would watch that episode. Like, just the wall, the beautiful mind wall chart. Of what who's do you think your alliances are? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what I'd do you think that. it means to be in an alliance? Literally. What do you think? Because it, it clearly does not mean I don't vote against that person. Yeah. I have, uh, I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. What do you think Horacio's opportunity was, and why wouldn't they talk about it? Um, I don't know why they weren't more specific, but I'm assuming it's playing soccer. I'm guessing yeah. he he got a he got a contract from a Mexican you, league team. Like like let's say all right, so so let's say you can't reveal that you got a contract from the Mexican league team. Couldn't you at least say I got an opportunity to play soccer? Um, yeah, I'm not because I thought it was he was just gonna be on another television show. I'm not sure how good he oh. is at soccer, to be honest. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we have no idea how good he is at soccer, I suppose, but we do know he played some professional, and I don't think uh, the Mexican soccer a lot league is professional. What you know, what I'm saying? there's a lot of levels of professional, you know what I mean? 
Yes, but like Mexican League is not one of the top ones. Uh, yeah, but it is not one of the top ones, and yet there are many, many below it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, again, I, I'm not saying he. That's definitely what it is, but it could be like the Mexican third league for all we know. I, I'm, I'm guessing, based on who he is, that, um, he is his opportunity is soccer. But you're absolutely right. It certainly could be television. Okay, in May, um, he got an offer to join Raleigh Rebels FC. Who that would have been before this shot? Wasn't it? What was his taping? Do we know? I don't know. Um, but, but I that would is guess a, not before May. That is a substantial level below the Mexican league, is what I would say. <laughs> if, well, but again, it, it, it's below the Mexican A league, but we don't even know where he's going. Like it could be the Mexican. G League. I don't know. That's true. Like that is- I they just said Mexico and based on the phrase opportunity, I don't know, that sounds more like soccer to me than TV, but I'm just guessing. Uh Horacio previously played for Grand Canyon University and Mississippi College, which I believe is a junior college. For taking his talents to the Kingsborough Lions, United FC, and Fayetteville Fury. There you go. So, all right. So, he sounds like pretty semi-pro, to be honest. Um, but good for him, man. Yeah, let's, I don't know. Let's I don't know what his fucking opportunity is, man. <laughs> I'm just saying it's got to be pretty good to be like, peace out. Peace out, Maurice. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I suppose that's true. You know, because I'm going to guess the the Raleigh Rebels uh, ain't paying a whole lot. I'm going to guess he's making a lot more money on the challenge. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I don't know. Has he been on another TV show? Should we should we Google that? Yeah, I'm Googling that right Here's another article that says, Reese Mateo makes a surprise visit to see Horacio Gutierrez at his other competition show. There you go. What is it? Uh... Oh, it's okay. It's the show he was originally on. He's in the oh, All-Star season. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, I wish those two well. It runs six days a week. So, he, yeah, wow. Huh. So maybe that was it. Was X on the, the X thing? That was the other. Wait, why is he on? That's a dating show, though, isn't it? Why would he be no, on no, that? No, it's a competition show. X on the um, Beach is a competition um, show? Yeah. Isn't it? Aren't it's you like competing to date somebody? And, oh. um, it's on Telemundo. Mm, it's a, a series of one-on-one races on obstacle course and carnival games and biathlon stuff. That's what this says. All right. Well, we're rooting for those two kids. It seems like it's like it's got like a soap opera schedule though. It's every goddamn day on Telemundo. Wow, wow. Um, it seems like this romance has been really chased so far. So I'm surprised to hear the L word being thrown around. Uh, yes, but they we do. I mean, we know that they are still together. Yeah. So I doubt it's chased now. I'm just saying on the show. Well, right, but I mean, like, I think you know, there's definitely something real happening based on the well 
there seems to be something real happening based on the <laughs> fact that they're still together. I shouldn't say definitely about anything. You're right. Fair enough. All right. Um, you want to move on? Should we do some culture? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like there are so many things I wanted to mention. Oh, we'll mention some things. Um, some of them don't seem super important anymore, but I uh, I think another thing that's happened since we last spoke that negatively affected the quality of the television show is the departures of Melissa and Big T. Yeah. Um, they were doing a lot of heavy lifting for this season as an enjoyable television show. Yeah. Um, and James now that's at ITMs right now. And that is, uh, that's not the best place to be. In, it's you a know tragedy I mean? is what I would call that. Uh, and I actually, I think I prefer Mariah. Um, but Mariah's also like got her head turned entirely upside down in this game, which is not great for her. Uh, and and I also think James I, James is an interesting character to me, and maybe one of the more I mean, certainly of all the people who I saw for the first time this season, the most interesting competitor, because he is very big and strong. Uh, but he's also a pretty savvy operator, and clearly he is one of the only people who does seem to have picked up the game pretty quickly. So yeah. I I'm interested in him. I do wish he would give a little more away. I feel like he's doing kind of a deadpan thing, and he's hitting a little too hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's because he's funny. Yeah. But it's all in this kind of very straightforward, you know, talk to the camera as if you're being totally even-handed way. And I feel like he needs to uh he needs to increase the um what's the word I'm looking for? Amplitude uh just a little bit. Yeah, he said that for a lot of folks, I feel like on the show right now. Well, you know what I mean, I mean sure. there's something like Kylan's never going to be great at ITMs. He's he's doing his best. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I like like I think a lot of people. You know, I don't think Horacio is leaving a lot Same. on the table. <laughs> Same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I but James to me really strikes me as a guy who could like he could give a little more of a bananas esque flavor to his ITMs. I think if he wanted to, um, and uh, I wish he, he did. I did leave that in. Ed's still Ed's still good TV. Ed is Ed great. Ed, Ed Emmanuel is still fun, but you know, and the English the English is, isn't great. So it's just the I, he's never going to be the best in ITMs. Ed is really great, and congratulations to Ed who uh, apparently is getting married. Yeah, good for Ed. Got a got a family and all that stuff happening. Yeah, good for him. Seems like a nice dude. Indeed. Um, all right, so uh, let's let's talk about something that was great Can we do okay that? um i hope you're talking about reacher oh i could be <laughs> what, what are you talking about i was gonna save the stuff we watched more recently for the end i'm trying to like okay. at least for me um i was gonna say slow horses oh yeah yeah slow horses was great i think yeah. it's a, a, a pretty quick conversation because it's not so new in terms of like this, it's very much another season of slow horses that is uh, 
you know, brings back some old faves and it's, uh, we're doing a slightly different thing, but like, it's very much the same show. Um, I'm pretty sure, and I'm saying this from memory, so I really hope that I'm right, that Graham Yost from Justified is involved in this show, right? And to me, it has a, a similar kind of vibe in that, like, yeah, it's working a little for me a little bit, you know what I mean? But that's sort of by design, and it's just so fun to watch that formula at work. I do not that, see Graham oh, Yost, but I do know exactly what you're talking about, because they're not actually similar shows, um, per se, but they do share. Oh, he is an executive producer. Sorry, he's an executive producer, not not involved in the writing or uh, any of that. Um, but but just the fact that, like, yes, it's the same show. We're doing the same thing as we did the other seasons, essentially. But God, it's. It's so clever, and and the characters are so spectacular. In particular, Gary Oldman and Jack Loudon, who I had to look up his name, but he is the other lead, River Cartwright, in the show. And and I I feel like I've leave out Kristen Scott Thomas. Oh, she's she's always great. But to me, I think Jack Loudon is the guy who I am coming to appreciate even more this season. That because that character. It would be very easy for the River Cartwright character to become not believable in the way yep. that like really he he did another he did another mess up that led to a whole season of slow horses. Um you know what I mean? Like it's in the wrong hands that character is a bad joke. Um Yeah. Well, and you know what I mean? Like, I would say if there's a fourth season of Slow Horses that starts from River Cartwright and mess up, you'd have to think they kicked his ass out of the out of MI5 at that point, right? That, like, yeah, probably. Except yeah. that you you believe that this very sincere and and reasonably talented young man just keeps ending up essentially in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Um. Although but you know, it's it's obviously if that happened to someone four times, you would at yeah. some point you stop. It's a coincidence, you know what I mean? Uh, agreed. Um, and maybe that is season four, is him getting fired. I don't know. But uh, either way, I just think he's so good. And Gary Oldman is, by all accounts, a terrible human being and, and truly one of the spectacular living actors. He's, yeah. he's just fantastic. It's that character is so very specific and probably to a degree written for him, but he, and the terribleness serves him well, I think in the role probably. And he's just so good and so funny. And uh, like you absolutely believe that this dirty farting smoking man is also one of the smartest people in mi5 and an incredibly talented spy which is a really tough thing to pull off yep yep and then people will move mountains for him yeah um, when it's occasionally called for you know what i mean yeah i i yeah this show is spectacular i love it it's a, a truly great character um uh with a with a well-built engine around it you know what i mean yep so yep. maybe just the engine and the, and the show is the car in that analogy. Sure. And, and I think you could apply that, that exact description to justified. 
to to your earlier point. Yes. Yeah. So I would say there are two characters that are maybe the engine justified, but yeah, same deal. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Where where did you land on Maestro? Um. I wish. I didn't you, mind the prosthetic nose at all. Barely noticeable, I thought. I, 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 with all due respect to everyone in the world and my fellow members of the tribe, um, 10 years ago, we would have just called that Leonard Bernstein makeup. So let's all chill out. Um, was he, it that controversial? We're, I just thought it was kind of about, hey, handsome guy puts on Jewish nose. Some people are interested in talking about it. Yeah, but even that, to me, makes it a thing that it kind of wasn't. So uh, he just looked a lot like Leonard Bernstein with that makeup on. And yes, they had to make his nose bigger yeah. because he's Bradley Cooper. Of course they had to make his nose bigger. Like, what would, are we talking right, about? He, yeah, exactly. If they didn't do that, it would have been weird. Yes. Um, so anyway, uh, what I was really going to say, uh, not to damn this movie with faint praise, I this movie was not a bad movie. This movie featured some powerful acting, and I thought the last scene really was unbelievable. The uh, Bradley Cooper, I is I think an underrated film actor. He just he embod- what he did in that scene at least was fully embody another human being and become them. And produce a tremendous performance. I don't, uh, but, but to me, I guess not enough of the movie was about Leonard Bernstein. And well, I mean, I think the thesis is that at least it's about the, the relationship as much as it is about him, right? I would have loved a movie that was as much about the relationship as it was about him. This was 90-10 relationship. <laughs> That's fair. You I, know, and, and I. I I don't want to disrespect Mrs. Bernstein and Carrie Mulligan was, you know, no flies on her. Just just because I'm complimenting Bradley Cooper. She she's, you know, if not equally, certainly comparably excellent. Um, Everybody in this was good. It shot beautifully. I think as a director uh, visually, this is a triumph for Bradley Cooper. I'm just not sure why. I guess if you want to make a version of this love story, I don't know why it's not called like, you know, love and music and make the character Lenny Frankel and (laughs) just do a Leonard Bernstein biopic separately. I, I don't. And again, I'm not trying to disrespect the real life woman, but I, but so much of this film is about the interior and private lives of people who like aren't around. So it's not real. So yeah. it's not really a biopic. It's a love story made up from from broad strokes of reality, but it's an invented love story cast upon real people and and I don't that doesn't make me so angry because I'm not super protective of the legacy of Leonard Bernstein. I'm just not sure why that's the choice. 
Yeah, I you know, so Mia Culpa, and I'm pretty sure I even said this on the pod when we talked about it. I definitely thought this movie was about Leonard Cohen and not Leonard Bernstein. I I got my uh, uh, Jewish songwriters mixed That's up. Hilarious. And I I I suspect that a Leonard Cohen movie would have been more interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think the thing that you're getting at that took me a while to articulate is that this is. A, an extremely respectable movie. Like, there, Cooper's tremendous. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is very good. And like you said, I think the direction is even better. And I, it, you know, when you add up this and A Star is Born, like, I'm really impressed with Bradley Cooper, the director, and I'm very excited to see what he's going to make next. Agreed. That said, it's not that good. Like, it's not, like, it's not that enjoyable. It's interesting. It's not that good it's of a time. Cool. It's not. It's just not that great a movie, and I think the, the script kind of lets it down a, a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, yeah, the script, sure, but not the writing, if that makes sense, right? It's not that the the dialogue is poor. It's just the choices of what we're focused on. Yeah, plot wise, is I think bizarre, and and. While I agree that I would have been more interested in Leonard Cohen, um, I do think Leonard Bernstein is an interesting character. And and this movie, it wasn't, like, excruciatingly long. And if you had traded 30 minutes of, you know, love-struck sadness on both sides for 30 minutes of why he loved the music and what... He was really what his his passions. What did he do that made him so notable, other than sweat a lot? You know what I'm saying? Like, if we had if we had spent just a little more time, just tilted it a little more towards the actual story of Leonard Bernstein and what made him special, because maybe that's what I should have been saying all along: is not not taking shots at the relationship or or discrediting the storyline of. Mrs. Bernstein, but ma- simply making the point that what made him special was not his love story; it was the music story, and not enough of that. And also, not his bisexuality. And that's to me, I would have traded thirty minutes of the gay frolicking, of which I think that the movie too. is an hour and forty-five minutes worth of. Yeah, it, uh, it, exactly. Like, was, it wasn't necessary. Like, no, and and I you can get that point a lot a lot easier than they did. That's exactly right, and I think that. that that is the best way to describe what my disappointment with this movie is. The stuff they showed us, they could have made that point a lot easier and saved more space for the actual story of what was special about this historical character. Yeah. So, so those are the choices that were bad for me. And it's unfortunate because so many of the choices around that central choice were so good. Yeah, I do think the scenes of him conducting spectacular, especially with, like compared to Tar. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. really in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like if you're, and, his and, and, talent and passion comes across so much more in those scenes than in any of the music scenes in Tar. I think, and and everyone raves about that performance. It, it's such a good point because, and that's exactly why I want more of that. Is like you get it, right? I mean, he. That character, as portrayed by Bradley Cooper, makes you, if not want to listen to classical music, at least understand a person's passion for classical music, which, uh, uh, again, to your point, Tar entirely failed to do. Yeah. Yep. 
so yeah, it like it was kind of a bummer, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. Like you said, it was very respectable, but it was kind of a bummer. Yeah, agreed. Um, and look, and see, you know, it's going to serve its purpose for Netflix. I think it's going to get some Oscar buzz. It's got to get uh, director and actor uh, yeah. and actress noms, and, and, and that's what they want. So. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> I would say it's like I would say it's worth watching if you got. I would too, and I would also say, like, if if they do get what they want, that is also a good thing because although this wasn't our favorite, I do want Netflix to empower people like Bradley Cooper more often. Agreed. Speaking of uh, empowering actors, can I give you a little bonus review of something that uh, that I uh, have? Because I actually went to the movies uh, over uh, over the Christmas break. Man, uh, I drive by a theater a lot, and I we're just we're, uh, family policy is still no theaters, but I I miss it. Yeah, well, and I chose poorly. Um, uh, we watched uh, another movie by. Uh, uh, an acclaimed actor uh, and director of uh, the boys in the boat uh, directed by George Clooney. Ah. And uh, it's a story about the university of Washington crew team that makes yep. its way to the 1936 Olympics. And as Listen. sports movies go, you want to talk about just a, a script of like wasted opportunities. Like it is just, I don't like they, they get in the boat and they win. <laughs> like that's a, well, Again, and again, and again, and again. And it's really like, uh, not, not all that interesting. So uh, I can, I, let can me tell out. you this. I, I had already concluded that based on the sheer quantity of advertisement for that movie that Amazon is throwing at me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> because if anyone is doing their homework and watched Candy Cane Lane or Reacher or anything else on Amazon prime, <laughs> it's like they somehow it, it, they've announced they're putting ads into things, and I swear to God, they already started with the boys in the boat. <laughs> yeah, you can skip it. Speaking of which, what, where were you on Candy Cane Lane? So, I I want to have this conversation in a sort of specific way. What is your relationship with Christmas films? Um, I mean, Die Hard's my favorite, so that'll give you a clue. Uh, I, I like Die Hard. I like Love Actually. Okay, uh, but, so but did you like? That's gonna like watch a Christmas story every Christmas. You know what I mean? Okay. Did, what was like? Was Christmas movies a thing for you growing up? Though, like, not really. Okay. Yeah, me neither. Um, for obvious reasons for me, there were there were no Christians in the house. Um, but I would agree that Die Hard is a favorite. Uh, but I, I my. My feeling for of of my understanding of Christmas movies for many people and many families, and I and I think my uh, burgeoning family will be one of these, is that like around Christmas season, you know, you throw on Christmas movies here and there, <laughs> like it's just part of life. Yeah, well, and, you know, Hallmark and Lifetime have really stepped into this Christmas movie space, and I think changed the game a little bit in maybe not great ways. I don't know if that makes sense in terms yeah. of people holiday viewing traditions on the other hand you know everything's so at your fingertips and bespoke you can pretty much watch any christmas movie you want anytime so where i'm going with this is i think that you know categorically there are christmas classics like you know uh 
Christmas Carol or Miracle on 34th Street or what have you, the oldies that that are in their own category. Then there's like the new Christmas classics, which I think most people have their own versions. For instance, as you you just mentioned, Love Actually, I can tell you, all things being equal, if we're sitting down on my couch as a family and ask my wife, like, should we watch a Christmas movie? She's going to want to watch Love Actually. Is going to be People like have very strong feelings about Love Actually on, on both sides of the fence. Agreed. And so yeah. that's like that's going to be the number one in our rotation, right? So I think, you know, when somebody makes a Christmas movie, Die Hard's different. We love Die Hard. I love Die Hard. I agree, it's a Christmas movie, but. It's not the same as Candy Cane Lane or no. even Love Actually, right? Which are very explicitly movies that are essentially about Christmas as much as anything else. Um, I think the question is not really like, is this an excellent film? The question is, was it enjoyable enough to crack the seasonal rotation? And like, I, I will say this was this was enjoyable enough to, to at least enter the conversation. Like, is this, is this a classic Eddie Murphy laugh riot? Of course not. It's a Christmas movie. It's about elves and tree lighting and goofiness, but I enjoyed a handful of the performances. The cast is very much to my liking. Julian Bell is a, a favorite. Tracy Ellis Ross is funny. Uh, Nick Offerman Robin Thede, like people I enjoy. Um, and there were some chuckles and a two and a half and a four and a half year old sat through the whole thing and the four and a half year old even enjoyed it. So I think it's kind of a win. Yeah, that's why I kind of wanted your opinion first, because I feel like it took me about 30 minutes to go. Oh, this movie is not made for me. You know, like yeah. this is this is a movie that Eddie Murphy made for his kids. Um, in the tradition of, like, Nutty Professor and some other things, you know what I mean? Like, he had a whole phase of that, right? Hold on. Um, Wait a second. Are, I don't know how old his kids are now. Are you saying yeah. Nutty Professor was not for you? I'm not a big Nutty Professor fan, no. I'm not, wow. like, anti, but I couldn't tell last time I watched it. I mean, I understand if you're, like, like you know, year three with the clumps wasn't for you or whatever, but the Nutty Professor was pretty spectacular. It's not, it's not in my Eddie Murphy canon, I'll put it that way. I mean, it's not Beverly Hills Cop, but but it was a pretty funny movie. Yeah, I'd rather watch Boomerang, honestly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's def. I'll say this. Although I wouldn't put Nutty Professor in this category, um, it's also not in the, you know, uh, Boomerang, uh, Distinguished Gentleman, etc. It's not in that category. Trading Places. It's not with those ones either. Um, that it's like a middle phase of the Eddie Murphy career, but I, I like, I don't know. The Nutty Professor is not Norbit for God's sakes. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, it's not right. It's not. Look, I'm not saying Nutty Professor is terrible. I'm just. It's just not. It's not way up there in the Eddie Murphy thing for me. Fair enough. It's not the example of like Eddie Murphy schmaltz that I would have chosen. It, but we can it, move on. Much worse schmaltz. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> I see your point. And I agree with you. This is not a movie for an adult person to watch with other yeah. adult people. It rings at adults every now and again, but it's it's yeah. mostly different. And there was a moment where Eddie's driving in the car and something happens and he gives one of those classic Eddie looks where you're like, oh, yeah, there's my guy. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he's still like, there. Oh, he's like, you still got it. You know what I mean? Yes. 
stood back for this thing. And if you watched, and, if you stayed around for the outtakes, you saw some sort of classic Eddie behavior. Um, yeah. And but it wasn't that much in the actual film, right? Because he's playing the uptight dad. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and so, like, I, you know, I, if you're in the market for an enjoyable and chuckly Christmas film, I, I think you could do a lot worse than Candy Cane Lane. Sure. Um, Kids were good. The young daughter, I thought. Yeah, totally. And and like you said, I, this does not I in no way do I doubt Eddie Murphy's continued ability and I am excited for the forthcoming Beverly Hills Cop film. Yeah. Yeah, he's still Eddie Murphy. It's cool. Um All right. We had one more, right? What's the thing what's the thing I'm forgetting? Reacher. Yeah. Yeah. Reacher's still great. I I devoured the available episodes. As did I. Shit. And I think this is actually I mean, look, it's not the—it's not quite the level of show. It's not trying to be that Slow Horses is, but unlike Slow Horses, this is kind of a different show this season. It, the 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 lead is the same guy, but putting him back into his sort of military team and people like he is now surrounded by people who actually know him, which I think makes it a little different, and and I'm enjoying that. Plus a few people collected in season one, right? You know what I mean. And you, yeah, we got an appearance from uh, from what's his face, the detective from season one, but Neely to me. And in fact, I looked up the name of the actress. It is uh, Maria Sten. That woman is excellent. She is to me almost as interesting and enjoyable of a character as Alan Richson's Reacher, almost. Because something I was thinking about when I was like, what do we, what do I want to say about Reacher that I haven't said already? I remember when the film came out, where Tom Cruise played Jack Reacher. I remember people who had read the books complaining about like Tom Cruise's size. Well, his size, but also just his, like, everything, right? Like, he was just, that's not Reacher. He's playing a guy who's doing things, but it's not the right character. Um, And, you know, obviously the size difference is, is apparent. No um, one is more sure people can do things than me. But I I don't see how you can make that, have have the guy playing Jack Reacher be that size. Like, it's so... well. Ast- to the character to have this be a giant hulk of a man. You but know, you know what, what I mean? At the time, when I watched it, I was like, whatever. He's a badass. A, a five five guy can be a badass. Like, calm down. But now that I've seen the whole portrayal of the character, and on the other side, people who read the books love Alan Richson as, as Reacher. Looking back, now I'm like... That was absurd that they had Tom Cruise play this guy. Because <laughs> it's not just about the size. The size is obviously a factor. But there's also something about who the character is that Alan Richson plays so well. And I don't know if you watched the most recent one. Or actually, it, it, it came out last week. I did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it, it, there's a line where someone is like, have has anyone ever diagnosed you as a sociopath? And he like takes a beat yeah. and just deadpans. Not diagnosed. No. 
<laughs> and it, like, I don't know, man. He is just he he really brings the like specter of this dude to life in a in a special way. And the show is just so much fun all the time. This could easily be just just hacky and pulpy, and it would be fine. Yeah. Was but but there's much more happening here, I think, and um, you know, it's it's a really fun ride. If you like, if you like action shows, I don't know that there's much better action TV right now than than this. You know, no, I think it's the best because the action is spectacular, but in between, it's funny and clever, and you you become attached to the characters and the like mysteries they're dealing with are. Are are difficult but make sense. Like the whole thing is just so well done. Yep, yep. And, and the twists and turns are are great. The cliffhangers yeah. are great. Yep. I yeah. No notes for Richard. <laughs> no notes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. I, I think that wraps us up for this week. I got I got an Arsenal match to go watch. So um, <sighs> may it be as kind to you worked. as Chelsea's match was to me yesterday. Yeah, that was a fun one. It sounded like I was actually watching the Man City uh, thing at the time, so I didn't see it. But um. I, uh, it's time to just go full youth movement. Like this is a yeah. middle of the table Chelsea team. It was sloppy yesterday, but now that Nkunku is out there, you at least feel like there's a chance of a quality end product, and. I just got to see the young guys run around. You just got to see the young guys run around and then pick the pick the ones you want to keep. There's no other way to approach this now, I don't think. Yep. See and see who gets into gear. There's yeah. more young guys in the way it seems like too, so. Yeah, and when he when he friggin' brought Tiago Silva in at in the 70th minute yesterday, it's like, "Come on, man. Just stop it." I love <laughs> Tiago Silva. I do. Respect to Tiago Silva, but like let him go play somewhere else. Let him go play I'm for really a, impressed a with that. With how into this you've gotten over the course of the season, that has really been uh, extremely frustrating from a just a rooting for Chelsea standpoint. So, well, it's it's like two and a half seasons of of really committed watching now. So, I'm by the way, you know, speaking of time flying, I don't know if you realized. Uh, well, there's no way you would have realized. Today is going to be our 370th. Technically, there have been a lot more than that, but but. This is episode 370, which, you know, just approximate math-wise is into an eighth year of the toy department, which is, you know, it's both remarkable that it has lasted and also remarkable that we've never managed or even attempted to make any, uh, you know, money or success out of it. (laughs) Thank you to everyone who's still with us though. Cause that is, that is amazing when you think about it. And, uh, yeah. And I think we would probably do it. Uh, even if the internet stopped and we were just like setting up a hour long phone call every week, but, uh, it's nice to know that there's 10 or 15 people who are enjoying themselves. Yeah, a lot of life change for both of us over the over the course of that man. time. It's, uh, uh, <laughs> you said it, man. I'll keep doing it as long as I can find the time. Um, all right, uh, what do we got for homework? Uh, yeah, you you usually write that down, so I'm hoping that's what happened. I did, I did, I wrote it down. I got uh, I got four things on the agenda. Uh, speaking of things that you might have seen advertised on Amazon, uh, Saltburn has made its way to that platform. 
Um, that is the uh, Emlyn Fennell movie. Uh, she wrote Promising Young Woman, directed Promising Young Woman, rather. I think maybe wrote as well. Yeah, well, um, she wrote a lot of things before she started directing. Um, but yes. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we love that movie. Uh, the reviews on this one have been a little more mixed. Uh, but I'm curious to see it for myself. Um excited about that uh something that's getting rave reviews is the holdovers um which is the paul giamatti yeah. uh extravaganza i'm gonna guess he's gonna play someone who's like a little bit dour i don't know what do you think <laughs> i don't know i don't know where you would get that idea uh, a little maybe a little bit of a curmudgeon um <laughs> That seems like a total wild guess from you, and I don't think you should disrespect Paul Giamatti like that. It's uh, it's directed by Alexander Payne, uh, who has frequently worked with Paul Giamatti, um, and is quite a, quite a quite a good director. Uh, also, I believe a <laughs> I want to say a product of, but I might be overstating it. Pomona College, but uh, maybe he just spoke at graduation. Are you talking about Alexander Payne or Paul Giamatti? Alexander Payne. Yeah, he just spoke at graduation. Uh, yeah, I was say, I think, oh, I think Giamatti went to Princeton. Not Giamatti. I'm talking about uh, yeah. Payne. He uh, also, did you know his first name is Constantine? Did not. Constantine Alexander. That makes some sense. Anyway, uh, really good director. Uh, has done a lot of great work. Great buzz on that. Uh, there's a Dave Chappelle special dropping any day now. Um, uh, always interesting to see what he's up to. Um, so we'll talk about that. Hopefully it's moved beyond some of the discourse of the last couple. Um, and, uh, there's a new season of Dr. Death, uh, which is a totally new, you know, it's an anthology show, right? So you got all new cast, all new story. Mandy Moore is probably the biggest, uh, uh, star of this season. And that's on Peacock. All right. That, that is your homework. All right. I think we're done. We did it. How you feeling? I'm feeling right. Holdovers is on Peacock too, as well. Right? I don't think I mentioned that. Holdovers is newly, I believe, tomorrow available on Peacock. And Chappelle's where all Chappelle things are these days. Netflix. So. Okay. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the Jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.